0: Salutations and welcome inside the Colonial Corner podcast. I am Daniel Steenkamer and I'm so happy to be alongside in this pilot episode, Michael Boyer, my proud co host. I (laughs) want to make sure it's co host here, Michael, because I don't want to get caught with too much of the label as as host. This is very much a co host endeavor and I'm so excited to be uh, doing 2022 23 CA basketball with you. Men's and women's, we're going to be going through it. Our plan is week by week. Right, I mean, Absolutely. I think that's what we're looking for, and yeah. and as we are barreling toward conference play here in the month of December, we have a good body of work, I think, to look at so far in non conference. But without further introduction and, and ado, I want to turn it over to you and welcome uh, our listeners as well.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Michael, and uh, we're pretty excited about this whole thing going through uh, the state of the CAA uh, men's and women's basketball. Uh, for our pilot episode, I believe we're just going to go through some standings, kind of the state of every program in the uh, men's and women's side. I believe we're going to start with the men's side of things, then turn it over to the women's side as we uh, get going here. So, uh, what do you think we should start off with here? I think we should do some standings right now. What? I think that for Dan. Absolutely. Let's get
0: a state <laughs> of the union in CAA men's basketball. It's a new look conference this season, the first season since the founding of the CEA to not include James Madison University, the Dukes off to the Sunbelt Conference, and there are a number of new faces on the basketball side to compensate with all the conference realignment going on, Uh, Stony Brook University, Monmouth University, Hampton University and North Carolina t all additions to the CEA this season and we'll be able to see them as we roll through the men's standings but at the top of the standings the top storyline in the CEA is the College of Charleston I mean the job Pat Kelsey is doing with the Cougars that's a great city for college basketball it's a great city to live in in general and Charleston's been competitive throughout its year since it joined the CEA but this has just been a special kind of run to start the year I mean an 11-1 overall record before touching conference play I mean this is a CFC team Michael that I think it's threatening to, I mean, it's getting AP top 25 votes. Mm-hmm. I think it's threatening to crack those rankings before we get too uh, too deep into conference play when that thing starts off.
1: Yeah, they've had an unbelievable start to their season. Um, you know, they gave UNC a run for their money. They could really very well be 12 now. I mean, they fell apart in the very end of that game, but they've had some very good wins here early in the season. Um, looking at them beating uh, now number 24 Virginia Tech by two points, huge win for them. Um, and they're just coming off a win uh, yesterday, as we speak on December 15, 2022. They just came uh, off a five-point win against Stetson. Um, just a huge win for them. Uh, they've done a great job so far. Uh, really a well-coached team.
0: And Kelsey, he's done a great job. He's been dynamite, not just in the traditional X's and O's of coaching basketball, but he's a great Twitter follow-up. If anybody's looking for uh, a good introduction to CA basketball, because he so often is tweeting out videos, engaging his fan base, his community, the student body there, too. I mean, I think of a, of a tournament that was held, a multi-team event in Charleston at TD Arena, where Coach Kelsey, because I think it was an ESPN events event, and so it was a situation where students would without Kelsey's intervention, have to buy their own tickets in. But he said, I'm going to buy up the whole student section. I'm going to make sure it's still free for students to get in on my behalf. So he made sure he was providing his team with that raucous atmosphere, making it that much easier for students uh, at College of Charleston to get involved in. And he, his outreach in that regard, I think, has kind of set him apart. So it's not only on the court for Coach Kelsey and College of Charleston, but all, off as well. Uh, so Charleston is certainly set up for uh, one of those schools we look at as being in contention for the number one seed Absolutely. all the way out into March. Not to look too far ahead, but, I mean, the way they're playing, uh, it, I mean, Ryan Larson has been a, a key name to know uh, early on in non-conference play. And it, it, I, I, I don't see any reason not to expect the College of Charleston to be in the top half of the league for the duration of uh, this season.
1: And talk about a huge home court advantage. I mean, they're 9-0 at home, and, uh, you know, you, you watch any videos, you watch any game from uh, Charleston home game, it's really rocking in there. It's very loud, very tough place to come play. So uh, these other CA op- opponents that we will be speaking on will definitely have a hard time going down to Charleston. But, you know, when you get into conference play, anything's possible. You know, all these teams can compete with one another, some more than others, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But, uh it's going to be very exciting to see how uh, all these teams do match up when we do get into conference play.
0: Well, another that is looking to be nipping at the heels of Charleston is the Towson Tigers, Pat Scary's team, coming off last season's regular season conference championship. An 8-3 and three overall record. As we speak in non-conference play, Towson brings back Nicholas Timberlake, Charles Thompson, other key big names to their roster. This is really the preseason favorite in the conference. Charleston stole the headlines from them, though, but I wouldn't rule out to you just yet either.
1: Oh, yeah, they got a great program. Beautiful arena, if anyone has not seen it. Um, they got a great program there. Uh, they, they've been coming off some great wins. You know, they... Uh, uh, the other day, uh, they played against Clemson, only lost by five. You know, they've had some great opponents that they have played uh, so far. You know, they, they beat Penn. You know, they beat UMass, uh, who is uh, traditionally pretty solid at basketball. So, you know, they uh, they have done a great job this season, and I think they're going to go pretty far in the CAA, going to compete for that top spot with Charleston when, once we get into conference play
0: one of the next steps to the Tigers this Saturday, December the 17th, they face Missouri Valley Conference foe Northern Iowa. Now the Panthers of and I do enter that ballgame with a 3-7 and seven record as we record this evening, but that'll be a good game in the non-conference side of things, in the Legends of Basketball Showcase at United Center in Chicago. I mean, anytime the CEA is going up against Missouri Valley, which is, of course, one of those mid-majors that's kind of a rung above and, and yeah. has established a certain pedigree and tradition of great mid-major basketball success, uh, it's important for the CEA to try to get one of those big out of conference wins and even if Northern Iowa hasn't had uh, the best record-wise start to its year that's a really proud program and so I'm looking forward to seeing how those two do on a neutral floor
1: absolutely I mean Northern Iowa has definitely had a bit of a disappointing season have some tough losses in there but you know they're always going to be a tough opponent especially for a CAA team so uh, I'm definitely looking forward to tuning into that game
0: that is the next step for Towson. But the next step in our run-through of CA men's basketball, UNCW is in the third slot in the standings currently, tying with Towson at that 8-3 overall mark, and Takeo Siddle can't say enough about what he's done to keep UNCW certainly reliably, viably in the top half of, <laughs> of the CA. It just continues the success UNCW has had. That's another one of those places that it's hard to play. Hawk, uh, yeah, is the, he's the mantra down there in their arena, and they at UNCW make it a tough place to play it reminds me a lot of Charleston and it's not just because of the location just the talented team up and down the roster
1: absolutely I mean they they're always uh it seems like they're always at the top of the CAA um had a little bit of a rough start to the season, you know starting starting off one and three but they had some rough opponents they also kept it close other than the UConn game where they kind of did get destroyed a little bit you know they they've had seven straight wins since then you know, they played some viable opponents and uh, they're really starting to get their groove here uh, as we approach conference play.
0: Well, well, speaking of a groove, UNCW really demonstrated that in Trask Coliseum, most recently hosting Jacksonville. They really throttled the Dolphins. 81-53 to 53 was your final in that one, leading the way for UNC Wilmington. Trezarian White, you look at his stats line, 5-12 from the field, but it all added up to 17 points, including 6-8 of 8 from the free throw line. So Trezarian White is a big name Now he played 35 minutes against Jacksonville the sophomore out of Mansfield Texas so a Texan getting it done the CAA UNCW it's a name that it has been in the NCAA tournament and they had the recognition they have a recruiting radius with a, with a, like I said a strong head coach in Siddle and you would expect uh it's right even if it's still a young player to keep evolving another year playing in this conference
1: absolutely I mean they're they're just a great program overall like Very excited to see how they match up with Towson and Charleston, as well as uh, some of the top teams in the CAA that we are going to speak on.
0: Turning things to our local university, the University of Delaware, fighting Blue Hens. Let's go Coming in in at fourth in the CAA so far this season. Six and four overall mark for Martin Inglesby's team. Delaware getting set to take on, as the time we record this, Friday evening or tomorrow night, the... Princeton University Tigers, a big test across the bridge in New Jersey for Delaware. The Hens are currently eight point listed as eight-point underdogs at Princeton. The Tigers team is three and one versus the CEA this year. Their only loss to a CEA opponent this season came to how excuse me, I was gonna say Hofstra and Towson combined. Hofstra (laughs) in the season opener for both teams. That was the Tigers only lost to a CAA team this year. To reiterate, and so th- that's one of only three losses total. I mean, it's an eight and three Princeton team hosting six and four Delaware. Big test for UD looking for his first road win of the year.
1: Absolutely, I mean Delaware's had some uh, uh, great competition this year. You know, this just gonna be another test. Uh, they're they're a very uh, starting lineup heavy team. You know, it'd be nice to see uh, some bench points come in there. But uh, Delaware Delaware's a great team, and I think. Uh, the eight point spread has to be a little bit too much. I think it's going to be a closer game uh, tomorrow night at Princeton. But uh, Delaware's had some good games. You know, they played against Duke. You know, they kept it first. I kept it close in the first half. You know, showed that they could hang a little bit with the uh, Blue Devils down there in uh, North Carolina. So, uh, you know, it it was a good sign, you know, they've shown flashes and uh, I think they're really going to start to put it together uh, upcoming next. I mean, they got Princeton, then they got uh, Ryder as well, another New Jersey opponent, and then we got some action coming to the Bob Carpenter (laughs) Center here in Newark on Wednesday against the Ohio Bobcats, so uh, very excited for that game. Uh, just a just a few exciting games coming up for the Blue Hens. Uh, really looking forward to see how they match up with these out of conference teams.
0: And you touched on the reliance on the starting five on the part of Delaware. And if you're going to rely on your starting five as heavily as Delaware has, at least those core players are are strong early in the early going. And Jameer Nelson Jr. has led the way in that regard. Uh, in his last two items he scored 27 points and 30 points, the 30 points in Delaware's recent win over Siena, tied a career high. He was 10 of 17 from the field for those 30 points, including, or I should say, in addition, he was 10 of 11 from the free throw line. So, Jermaine Nelson Jr., he's really helping Jair Davis be that 1-2 punch, or 1A, 1B, or however you want to organize them for Delaware. Christian Ray, the LaSalle transfer, continues to be a rebounding machine, and LJ Owens, I I did the student radio broadcast for uh, Delaware versus Duke, the, the game that you mentioned, and I called on LJ in the post game show. I said he can be and needs to be a bit more of a scoring presence for Delaware, and since then he's put together a run of double-digit scoring games. So I'm not going to take too much credit for that, but I'll take a, a little smidge.
1: Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> But But,
0: but that, that, that is, those are among the starters Delaware will need at Princeton Friday evening. Going past Delaware in the standings, a school that has given Delaware a lot of problems in men's basketball in recent years, the Hofstra Pride, 6-5 and five overall mark. For the pride, but my goodness, Speedy Claxton—he runs a tight ship. It's a strong program. Aaron Estrada is a perennial Player of the Year candidate in the CAA, and it just once—it's just when it seems like Hofstra has a turnover, a new leaf, and find new scores—they do. There are new names to the fold, but Estrada still tops the list.
1: Absolutely, I mean, I mean the pride of Hofstra. I mean they're always right there in the CAA, uh, and you know they're they're at a six and five record right now, but they've uh, they played some tight games uh, so far this season. And uh, they're they're just a great team. I mean, Estrada's right there, still uh, poured in thirty one points the other night in a road OT loss. So uh, you know it's just uh, they're they're a solid team, and I I think they're gonna give Delaware some problems. I could think they're gonna give even Charleston some problems in the CAA. That's what makes this conference so exciting. You know, there's so many teams that can really compete with each other, and uh, I just can't wait for conference play to start so we can see how they all match up with each other.
0: Who can win one-on-one matchups among when you you put one all-conference player against another? Who is going to guard Aaron Estrada, for instance, for Delaware, for any of these other top teams that we've discussed? It's going to be a great question to be answered here later. I guess I should say starting later this month when we tip off about, about New Year's Eve time in CA men's basketball conference play. But turning over... From the pride to the dragons of drexel up the road in philadelphia the drexel dragons five and six overall to the first sub 500 team that we touch on so far but drexel i would say they have the makeup of a plus 500 team i mean this is just a team i think that needs some time but uh they're going to turn the corner and they they really are neck and neck with delaware in most uh overall division one ratings
1: absolutely i mean drexel's uh drexel's a good program you know given Delaware some problems in the past that i that i have seen and uh the Drexel Dragons, I mean, they, they just had a rough one against Seton Hall. They they meet Delaware State uh, tomorrow as we record. Uh, so it looks like uh, they're most likely going to be uh, nice and even at 6-6 uh, six and six, uh, after uh, 2 p.m. tomorrow unless Delaware State pulls off a miracle, the one of nine Hornets. So, uh, you know, we'll see uh, how Drexel can match up. But, you know, they're they're always a solid program. And uh, like you said, they have the makeup of a team that can be over 500. And uh, we'll see how they can do uh, with these last couple of non-conference games.
0: There are a number of experienced players for head coach Zach Spiker who just been there year after year and uh, give them multiple options scoring night to night. I mean, look at Amari Williams, Lamar Oden, and Coltrane Washington. These are players who know exactly what... Zach Spiker is asking of them. They know the tradition of as recent as the conference championship won by Drexel prior to De- Delaware's winning the championship last March, and so this, this, this is a squad that is right there just inside the top 200 of Ken Palm. It's not one to overlook. I mean, it's Absolutely. not getting the hype. It's not even getting the same carryover or hangover hype that Delaware gets from the CIA title that uh, was won, as, as we mentioned, last season, but... It, Drexel is going to be a team that, if it's playing, its, it's not even its best basketball, but just if it's playing up to its most experienced player standards come March, it, it's going to be a tough out for Absolutely. any given yeah. team above it or below it in the standings.
1: I mean, experience is uh, very important. You know, once you get to the tournament time, I, I think the teams with experience really do show. So uh, Drexel is going to be a tough out for sure.
0: Turning things over to our first newcomer to appear in the standings, in CA basketball, North Carolina AT, the Aggies at four and five for their record. They come over from the Big South conference, but they are no strangers to changing conferences as they had been in the MEAC, they move to the Big South. A lot of these are football specific moves, but ironically enough, basketball and other non football sports arrive in the C E A prior to football for A&T. So mm-hmm. football arriving in twenty twenty three. But as far as what we're concerned about here, North Carolina t four wins on the season. One of them is a nice one over crosstown foe UNC Greensboro by a seventy three to fifty six final to close out November. I guess there is one win you could throw away in the subdivision one category over edward waters but it's a team that's really challenged itself in the non-conference playing power five iowa and iowa state in one weekend and following both of those contests so certainly north carolina and t there's a long road ahead and it's one of those schools where we touched on can't wait to see them in conference play well that has to be especially true for a league a league newbie
1: absolutely i mean it's i mean it's hard to change conferences but uh no, no team is more used to it than uh, north carolina and t i'll tell you that right now i mean and I I like that they really put some games on their schedule, you know. They 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 push themselves. Yeah, you know, they got blown out a few times, you know, by Iowa as well as uh Houston. But, you know, they put themselves out there, you know. That's what it's all about, you know. They they give themselves the uh competition. I think that really could help them later in the season. Um, you know, cuz they they've seen these great players. They've seen these All-Americans. They've seen uh these possible NBA prospects uh on the court and uh I think this is really going to help out this team, especially a, a new team to the conference.
0: Well, they're hoping that experience serves them well when they open up CEA play December the 29th at Northeastern, finishing the weekend by playing New Year's Eve at Hofstra, so how about playing two of the traditionally year-to-year strongest? I mean, there, there's never really a, a true down year for Northeastern and Hofstra. I mean, playing those two in the same weekend has always been a tough travel swing Absolutely. for any CA team, and it, had that be your introduction to conference play, I think, is a, is a, is a neat note for a- A&T. So they'll look to uh, prove themselves by at least, hey, splitting. It's tough to get a split on, on that road trip, but they'll oh, look yeah. to earn it at a minimum uh, to open up their CAA basketball era. Now, going from a CAA newcomer to CAA mainstay, William Mary, the College of William Mary, College of William Mary Tribe are four and seven here as we record. The Tribe, for head coach Dean Fisher, been looking to find their way. They opened the season with a defeat at home to Navy, but they've had a much more regional schedule. I'd say than A mm-hmm. and I mean, they played American and Radford and Virginia Tech along the way. Virginia Tech, featuring uh, former head in Justin Mutz uh, from not, not too long ago now, but I mean, Virginia Tech is you know, along with Pittsburgh and NC State is other ACC games that were always going to be tough to win. But I look at, when I look at William and Mary, they had a recent win over A-10 member of Richmond, 58-57 to 57 at home for the Tribe. That was such a huge momentum builder, I think, for William & Mary when you look at just their ability to have some momentum in, in, in having traction uh, regionally, having the attention of the local media, and, and certainly the fan support can be really big there. Having called a basketball game there last what month do I want to come Do I want to call it winter or spring? Anyway, last basketball season <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, on WVU Day. The atmosphere there can be really good. It was senior mm-hmm. day, if I recall correctly, and th- they have a large arena. Capitol Arena is a good place to watch a basketball game, and, th- and their fans are vocal and get into it when they have an engaging product on the floor and, and players they can get behind. And so to beat Richmond in that spot and to open up December 58 to 57, uh, that's huge. I-, I know it didn't channel into. At uh, the best result, the following game they had at Old Dominion, a uh, 10-point loss to the Monarchs, a, a former CFO, but foe. Uh, and, and certainly more, more reason for caution in, in losing to Norfolk State on December the 10th in Williamsburg. But I, I think they're still that team. They're the same team that beat Richmond, right? So Absolutely. they just, they, do, yeah. they they do have to recapture that a little bit but i haven't put that in video you see that it can be done
1: absolutely i mean they got outscored 36 to 20 in uh, the second half of that richmond game i mean that that's that's tough i mean when you're when you let a team go on a run like that and you still are able to pull out the win and that shows a great experience that shows a great coaching you know because runs are going to happen in basketball just uh depends on how you respond to it absolutely so uh, the way William and Mary to finally able to get that one point victory, that that's a win I really look at with this team, you know, and they they're a great uh, sports school uh, all around, you know. They've always been right there in the CAA in just about any sport. Uh, basketball is no different. So uh, looking looking forward to see how they can uh, compete, especially uh, with their next opponent at uh, UMBC on Sunday that's going to be an interesting uh, opponent just watch them play Loyola you know they're, they're always solid you know they well, beat Virginia I was going to say so,
0: so let's say we're talking to Dane Fisher right now I mean you, you, were, you were just casually attending the game you know with oh, that uh, yeah, UMBC Loyola casually. but, what, but yeah. what, were, what, what, what were some of your thoughts about the way you saw UMBC play I mean what, what does William Mary have to be you know, keen on a little bit
1: well, UMBC is very good at getting out in transition. You know they have some good shooters. Uh, they kind—they're of, not very good at shooting free throws. I'll tell you that right now. That's something I observed. I don't know if that was just a one game. Sure, turn. sure. Not too uh, familiar with the Retrievers over there, at least this year. But uh, you know they kind of fell apart at the end, and I think that's something William and Mary could uh, take advantage of. Um, They're—I don't think they're the most clutch team, but uh, they. Yeah, they they got some good three point shooters as well as uh, some very fast players you can get out in transition. Not a lot of height on that team, though. I will say that, so that's something they can take advantage of.
0: Certainly, a great scouting report on UMBC Absolutely. before the <laughs> CEA versus America East matchup to come between the Tribe and the Retrievers. But turning things up north, at least relative to both of those schools, is it Northeastern Huskies. Northeastern is three and six as we speak this evening, but Bill Cohen, I mean, what more can you say about the tenure he's had in Boston? I certainly expect a turnaround of this record. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with a a player who's currently a freshman for the Huskies, Jared Turner, in my scoop Media interview era, and I'll probably be rebooting those interviews for too long, but Instagram Live connected with Jared Turner, uh, I guess it was... However many months ago now, maybe it adds up to a little over a year now. It would have to be. And, and Turner, is one of, those, uh, one of those impressive young Bill Cohen recruits. And hard to blame a guy like Turner for picking a program like Northeastern. This is a team that has a proud tradition. And uh, to open the season by falling at Boston University, across town, out of the Patriot League, that's a difficult one to swallow. But uh, it, it, it's a situation where they took care of business in london england they went out to england overseas for a thanksgiving multi-team event and got done in overtime against manhattan and manhattan's been in the ncaa tournament a few times in, in our lifetime and uh and then northeastern opposed princeton and we talked about the task faced by northeastern or excuse me for Delaware when they play princeton uh northeastern fell only by two 56 to 54 and so that that goes to show you i mean northeastern's hanging in there with difficult opposition but when when you think about Northeastern. I mean, they play their home games in in Matthews Arena, which also serves as their ice hockey venue. It is just a special place uh, to play basketball and be a, a team member for a legendary, longtime head coach like Cohen.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting how they play their basketball games in the same arena that they also play hockey. Very good hockey program they have as well. Just at it uh, throw. That absolutely, out no worth like, mentioning. Yeah, they uh they've had some rough games, but. They've had some good opponents, uh just like we were talking about um I believe it was William and Mary, as well uh having some good opponents. The Northeastern uh had felt a Providence in their second game of the season, eighty nine to sixty five, so that was a little rough. Uh talk about uh Providence, our our boy Jair Davis was uh committed there. As well as uh Syracuse they they fell to them. Uh, you know, Dan used to attend circuit's very uh very familiar with that program. So uh you know they they've had some uh tough opponents, but you know that, that's only gonna help them grow. Also got a shout out Northeastern for producing uh Tyson Walker, the best uh arguably the best player on the Michigan State Spartans. So uh they've had some great players come through there. Yeah, they have a great head coach and I think they're gonna be a force in the CA for a long time as they already have been.
0: One name to know for NU, Jamil Telfort, he's been making waves for himself since his very first playing days with the Huskies. The hashtag Hallen Huskies as they as they market themselves and they, they, they are one of those March forces where when he runs Northeastern, they find a way to that championship weekend. Or I, should say, okay. or I shouldn't say weekend. It's a Tuesday night championship game. But they, <laughs> they find their way to the, to the, to the finale or the, the final, uh, however you want to slice that one. And a and, uh, long road to get to there. Uh, certainly looking to just climb back closer to 500 in the meantime. Now, turning things back around, deeper in the CAA standings to Hampton. Another, along with a another HBCU joining the CAA for this season. The Pirates enter at 3-7. and seven, But... They, they they bring a lot of new energy to the table. They have a very nice-looking arena that I'm looking forward to visiting, hopefully, for the first time here, in ideally this season on the men's or women's side. And, and and you were pointing out to me, there's already something jumping out to you about the Pirates.
1: Well, James Madison used to be in the CAA, and uh, Hampton opened their season with a former CAA team, which is very interesting to me. They unfortunately fell 106-58, so... I don't know if they're quite ready to uh, compete in the CAA, but you never know. I mean, we still have not gotten to conference playoffs like we said before, so you never know how these teams can compete, but, you know, they're a new team in the CAA. You know, they had a rough first half, but they hung in there in the second half. They, they were outscored 57-19 in the first half, so that's why I'm blaming it on. Right,
0: right. You know, the Pirates, first game, opening game. First game.
1: You know, first game in the CAA, even though they did not play a CAA team, they played a former CAA team in the James Madison Dukes, and, uh, you know, it's very interesting that they opened their season with them got destroyed but you know they bounced back in a few uh a few games as well so you know I I think uh it's gonna be very interesting to see how they play you know like you said new energy to the table you know it's nice to see a new face in the CAA as we've seen the same teams for all these years so it's very interesting to see how the new look CAA uh will turn out by the end of the season
0: and one, one of those bounce back games that i would look at is uh, just really their next division one game after falling at jmu they traveled to east carolina and they were really tight in a competitive ball game with their fellow pirates they ended up falling 82-73 but that was a very realistically competitive game i think that's what you hang your hat on and say look we were outclassed in our season opener against a strong opponent we played another high level team in ecu and we showed so much better yeah. so just that First Division One game to second Division One game progression is big, and I, I use the Division One uh, specific, specification because they they did host Regent, a subdivision one opponent in between there, and, and got a uh, a twenty nine point win. So they they they, yeah. they they did put away. They warmed up. They got their feet. They got their feet wet here in the twenty twenty two twenty three campaign. And that sometimes that's what it takes, right? So uh, signs of progress. Looking for those indicators of progress for Hampton, the Pirates will. Be leaning on Jordan Nesbitt, one of those names to touch on. We'll, we'll be looking more at Nesbitt as, as the year goes on. Just want to make sure I gave him a mention as a player to monitor. Now, another school who we're going to be welcoming into conference play very soon for the first time in its program history Stony Brook, the Seawolves are 3 and 8 as we record this evening. And earlier today, on Thursday, December the 15th, they suffered a tough loss, tough look for the CA for Stony Brook to fall at NEC member Wagner 58 to 55. Really needing to see Stony Brook pick it up on offense as today. They failed to do that and that's why they fell at 0 and six on the air on the road.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was a rough loss for Stanley Brooke. Uh there, there's no getting around that. And uh, you know, they Yeah, you know, it was a close game. They only lost by three, but you know, you gotta be a team like Wagner. But uh I'm definitely looking forward to uh, their game uh, on December 22nd, Thursday the 22nd, against West Virginia. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. And then their next game after that is December 31st against Northeastern. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up with West Virginia right before they can uh, partake in a little bit of conference play. Uh, West Virginia is a very established uh, basketball school as well as uh, football, even though they didn't have as great of a year this year. Um, they're a very established school, you know, very well, well-coached well team, and, you know, they've had some good wins this year. So it's going to be interesting to see if they could possibly bounce back, maybe at least make it a close game against West Virginia. That's a game that definitely uh, stands out in my mind. Definitely uh, looking forward to uh, watching that, as well as uh, in between the Wagner game and the West Virginia game, they take on Army on Sunday. So that's also going to be an interesting matchup.
0: Against the Black Knights and the Mountaineers alike, Starting up, we'll be leaning on a guard, Tyler Stevenson Moore. He is currently averaging just over 15 points a game. Frankie Policelli is leading the way in rebounds and assists per game, 8.7 and 2.2, uh, respectively, in those categories. So that, that pair, that duo, is maybe one that you look to as saying, "Hey, maybe they can have that second or third team All CAA consideration when all is said and done. And they can kind of keep the momentum for early part in the year in the conference play. But that at some point has to translate into wins, right? And Absolutely. so we'll be looking for that from Stony Brook but we have two teams remaining to round out in our standings one of them a returning CAA school and one a newcomer the returnee is Elon the Phoenix are two and nine after falling earlier today once again on December the 15th to Presbyterian and you want to talk about a difficult loss I was able to catch a few glimpses of that game here today and they were on the road for that ball game Presbyterian it was a noon tip-off I I would presume there was like a school field trip on hand you had a lot of kids in the in the crowd and so to lose on the road to a grouping of elementary schoolers, to a big South team with not the best record on the season. I mean, that has a gut punch for an Elon team that's looking to find its way in, in, in under a new head coach after Mike Shrogi departed to be on a John Shire staff at, at Duke.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, it was a very difficult loss for them. And they've had their fair share of difficult losses uh, this season thus far. Um, you know, with the 2-9 record, you know, it's rough, you know, and one of those wins also came against a subdivision one opponent in et- Erskine. i 'm not sure if i 'm saying that correctly, not even sure where that school is, but that's, well it'll be a
0: research project for yeah, us we, but we over winter yeah, <laughs>
1: uh, and uh as well as they also beat a subdivision one opponent in JW, JWU charlotte wow that, that's a that 's a tongue twister right there uh you know they took care of their schools pretty handily, but they have not beaten a division one opponent so far, so that is uh it's a rough look for the CIA, but uh, that's why I think of this conference as so top-heavy. You know, you got so many teams that can really compete for it, and then you got uh, a few of the, the bottom dollars at the moment. But it, but it's okay, because the great thing about college basketball is you can turn around from year to year, and Elon's got a new head coach. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they can respond to this early season uh, disappointment.
0: I I touched on Mike Shragi, the former head coach for... Elon, and I wanted to make sure I got his title correct officially because he is listed as the special assistant to the head coach at Duke. So uh, certainly he has a big role assisting John Shire as Shire succeeds Mike Krzyzewski. Of course, he did well enough. Coach got, got Duke well, ready enough to play uh, and guard Jair Davis and the rest of the hands, and then Duke's win over UD. So Shaggy did a, did a good job in that regard. But he, he was known for Elon putting together teams that maybe they were in the, the middle to later seeds in the conference and they would still... Make a, they'd find their way into the semifinals of the CA tournament and so I'm looking for that kind of resilience and moxie from Elon even after a coaching change and so uh, when conference play starts up that's where I think you check back in and say okay where are the really? benchmarks how much has the progress made for the Phoenix but then to finish up our overview of the men's CA basketball standings the Monmouth Hawks our final newbie in the standings. Unfortunately for them, they come as the final team in our rundown because they have one win on the year, a one and 10 overall record. It's disappointing for a program with a really, uh, I'd say, pretty strong tradition coming from the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. King Rice, I got the first time I interacted with Coach Rice was at, I guess I really, yeah, I guess I really met him in person for the first time was upon the Monmouth Hawks' introductory press conference to the CEA, and Joe D'Antonio, the commissioner of the league, was on hand. And I was really struck by Coach Rice's demeanor. I think, he, I think he does a good job. He's very even-keeled, and uh, he knows what he's looking for at Monmouth. He knows exactly what he has to work with, and it's been a team that was really running the Mac. It was a team that was really in charge of that conference in a lot of ways. Of course, Iona's in that conference as well, and they, so they're, they're, it's not a league into just sleepwalk through. But at the same time, this has been an impressive team that just has had a rude welcome to its first season in the CA before even playing a CEA game
1: yeah i mean it has been rough for them and uh a game that I seem to look at is uh princeton they uh they lost by a lot to princeton on uh december tenth they lost ninety one to fifty four very tough loss for them and uh the reason why I look at that uh compared to their other losses as well which I'll touch on in a second is Princeton's played a few CAA schools. You know, they they played Drexel, they took care of them pretty handily, but they also played Hofstra, Right. Which Hofstra did take care of Princeton on the first game of the season on November 7th by a score of 83-77. to 77. So it's kind of interesting to see how Princeton's been able to uh, match up as well as before they meet Delaware tomorrow, as we record today. Um, you know, Princeton's had a lot of experience with CAA teams this year, and they seem to have the easiest work with Monmouth and uh I think if anyone had to guess that would be the team they would have the easiest work with since they have started with a 1 in 10 record. Uh, it's been rough for them, you know. They've had some rough losses. Uh definitely a rude awakening as you said to their uh to their first season in the CAA, but um it's going to be interesting to see how they can respond, you know. They got they got a game coming up on Saturday against Charlotte uh a nice little home game against the charlotte 49ers so we will uh we will check back in to see how that goes you know charlotte's charlotte's a solid program um so we're gonna see how they can do in that game before they start conference play but just a very disappointing start to the season because their strength of schedule hasn't been super hard you know they played illinois which is their hardest game and uh Got got spanked a little bit. They lost. Hey, the uh, Big Ten could push
0: around a little bit. Right? Yeah, right. Uh,
1: they definitely could. So uh, they lost one hundred three to sixty five. So that was probably the roughest uh, opponent. But they've also played some opponents that other CAA teams have proven to beat. So it just begs the question: like, will they be ready for conference play? Will they be able to compete? And I think that's a question that we'll be able to answer in a couple of weeks.
0: Well, one of the keys for a, a more auspicious start to conference play, in earnest. For Monmouth is Miles Foster, the forward is leading the squad with 11.9 points per game, six and a half, just shy of six and a half rebounds per game. He is joined only by Jack Collins at guard among any Monmouth scores averaging in double figures. So just needing to find their way on offense. It's I, I look at it. I'm just kind of looking at maybe compare and contrast Monmouth and Stony Brook, two programs. I mean, I touched on in some detail Monmouth coming over from the MAC, Stony Brook from the America East. I mean, you think of Vermont in the America East, you think of uh, now, I guess Bryant a New newcomer in the American East. They're going to be at top of that conference, and now, in the absence of Stony Brook from the American East, now they're in a whole new ball game where there there is a Towson, there is there is a there is a Charleston, there there is a Delaware, defending champion. There there's a Hofstra that should be mentioned right <laughs> right on Long Island with Stony Brook. All those dynamics make it interesting that the pressures that Stony Brook and Monmouth will face, but they have good locations. I mean, New Jersey and Long Island. Delaware recruits general student body from there, plenty, and there are plenty of basketball players to be had from there as well so i I just I guess I bring up the leading scorers and rebounders for Monmouth and Sternberg because i 'm looking for who are those names who could kind of really help help these proud teams emerge from 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 where they from what the starting point
1: yeah it's definitely been a rough start for the Monmouth Hawks, but uh overall a very exciting uh conference on the men 's side, and I think uh it is our time to transition into the women 's side of things. Uh, another very exciting uh standings I think a little bit closer if you look at all the teams uh, right smack in the middle everyone has a very similar record so uh very excited to look at uh the uh women's side of things in the CAA and I believe we're gonna start off with the Drexel dragons who are a very solid program uh in, in all facets of the game you know, men's and women's you know it, it's kind of cool to see uh how well the Drexel dragons have always been at the top of the women's conversation has seemed like for the past couple of years uh they they have a 6 and 3 record right now 3 and 0 at home and they're 3 and 3 on the road and they just got off a win on Tuesday against Dartmouth a uh, nice little Ivy League action right there so uh very compelling team, very good team over there at Drexel.
0: And they're led by Amy Mallon, who succeeded Denise Dillon when Dillon departed for Villanova right across town, and Amy Mallon was an associate of, of, of Dillon, and so the, the expectation that the program that had been built is very similar to Natasha Adair departing Delaware for Arizona State, and then Sarah Jenkins, a former assistant for Adair, comes in and swoops in as that new head coach spot at Delaware, and so Mallon's, the consistency has been maintained under her leadership, and it doesn't hurt that Mallon has Keyshawn Washington at her disposal. Uh, Keyshawn Washington Washington poured in 32 points for Drexel in the win that you described over Dartmouth. And so she is going to be, now Jasmine Dickey especially, off the WNBA. I think Washington is going to be one of those key frontrunners for CA Player of the Year.
1: Yeah, maybe she will make uh, an appearance in the WNBA alongside uh, Jasmine Dickey. Yeah, we've got some good talent in the CAA uh, women's side of things. And that means we will be transitioning into the 5-3 and three College of Charleston Cougars. Uh, another good side you know they're very good on the men's side, as we mentioned before uh they're also uh very good on the women's side as well you know they've had uh they've had some solid wins this year uh, they look like a very solid team over there at Charleston.
0: College of Charleston, I think is going to be one of those programs that. Continues to emerge. It's been a little bit underrated, maybe in the middle of the pack last season in the CA women's basketball standings throughout. Uh, but Jenna Anna Carrico is really that all conference name to know at the guard position. She's actually been uh, surpassed in, in scoring so far this season by Jada Logan, a fellow guard who's averaging just shy of 20 points per game at officially 19.8 points of contest. So if that, that really becomes a, a scoring punch, of Anna Carrico, and Logan, that could be really strong to pair with Annika McGarity at Ford, who is um, somebody who's really been pretty experienced for them as a a bigger presence inside. And so I look at Charleston and say, the way I measure them a bit in these standings is when you get to conference play, can they uh, work past a Delaware, who has a very new-looking and new, new looking roster? Can they work past uh, newcomer a who's looked good, and um, Stony Brook and Monmouth, who have had better starts on women's side of things? Uh, Towson and Elon are historically strong women's programs. I mean, where does Charleston fit into that picture? Because while it might not be as realistic to see them uh, be right up there with Drexel for the duration of the season, the middle of the CA, the way these are teams are bunched together, the way you said it, is pretty wide open for a team like the College of Charleston to uh, see some control.
1: Yeah, and they, uh, they have... Uh... A date with the sixteenth ranked Oregon Ducks on Sunday, December eighteenth. Um, gonna be a very compelling matchup. You know, they haven't had a uh, a huge uh, a huge test so far this season in uh, out of conference play. You know, they've had some good wins, but they've also had some rough losses over there. So um, kind of gonna be interesting to see how they can match up with a ranked opponent over there at Oregon and uh, gotta travel out there. That's a far trip. Uh, over there for a three pm tip off on Sunday. Uh, as well as they take on Georgia Southern, uh, tomorrow at six pm. So another uh little road trip, and then they uh, round it out with the uh, little Towson action after they uh after they they get back to the East Coast from uh, <laughs> right. Oregon, they get right. to go right. right into Maryland and play against right. Towson. So that it'll be an interesting stretch of game for the stretch of games for the charleston cougars women's basketball squad uh but they've looked very solid thus far
0: some some phil night country action for for coc that that that's good to see as as i guess i want to make sure now we're on the women's side things i want to let you introduce the next team in our standings but it's it's uh it's close to home again
1: uh, we're right here in Newark as we speak. The uh University of Delaware fighting Blue Hens. Uh the pride of Elena Deladon, Jasmine Dickey got some WNBA names right hey, in there. I'm pretty
0: sure Ty Battle's gone professionally overseas. I don't I don't want to mislabel the country overseas, oh, but that yeah. the the, pr- the programs continue.
1: Yeah, the program uh, has been very strong, but, you know, as well as uh Drexel, you know, Delaware and Drexel have been fighting for uh, the top of the CIA standings for quite some time now on the women's side of things. Um yeah, Del- Delaware's had a had a good start to the season. They beat Big Ten uh, opponent Illinois by three on November twenty sixth to improve to four and two at the time. I mean, unbelievable win for uh, for the University that, of Delaware. That was Illinois'
0: first loss of the year. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that 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 did that did strike a lot of people's folks' attention.
1: No, that was that was an absolutely fantastic win. I mean, anytime uh, you can beat a Big Ten opponent like that, especially a team that hadn't lost uh, to this point. Yeah, that that's a great win for uh, that Blue Hen squad. You know, they just suffered a tough loss at Princeton, which the men's side will also meet uh, the uh, the Princeton squad over there <laughs> right. in New Jersey. As uh, Princeton took care of Delaware pretty handily, they they took care of them sixty two to forty seven. Kind of a rough loss, but uh, they've shown flashes, obviously, with that win against Illinois. They're a very very solid squad over there.
0: Anchoring it so far, Michaela Pippen with just over 10 points a game. She's also leading and rebounding 9.4 boards a game. But it's, it's, it's been a cast of characters. A lot of new faces for Delaware, where on a, on a given day and night, it may be a different high score. I mean, Tara Cousins is one of those a few returnees from last season's championship winning squad at guard. Uh, but she is joined by Jewel Smalls as a returnee. Smalls knows that triple... Triple, I was going to say triple threats. He certainly has a lot of skills, <laughs> but I was going to say a threat from the three-point line, I mean to say. Uh, but Michaela Pippen touched on as a leading uh, contributor in multiple categories. But I look particularly at transfers Clark, Scioners, and Karris Item. Scioners are listed at center. Item is listed as guard, but they both bring uh, size and a certain athleticism from their previous schools. That has been very beneficial for Delaware. I mean, each is averaging over 20 minutes a game. Uh, just valuable contributions from each of them. And uh, Scioners had an injury scare in the loss against Duquesne recently for UD. I believe it was Sconyers who finished up with having exiting that game with, with crutches in the, at the end of the day. And so to see after a week off before the game at Princeton, Delaware falls in that game, but they get Sconyers in the rotation. And so that's, that's, I think that's so big because that's, that's going to be another one of those pieces that you want to see continue to gel as they play Lehigh on Sunday coming up and, and progress into conference play.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a very compelling squad, you know. And a, a lot of people wanna wanna play here at Delaware because of the rich history uh in the women's basketball program, so you know, it's nice to see some new faces doing it and nice to see how many capable uh scorers uh as well as uh uh players with size as well on the on the Delaware women's basketball team. You know, they're they're a solid squad and uh that Illinois win that Illinois win <laughs> definitely Stands out to me very much, you know. Before they start conference play, you know they're they're at five and four right now, and uh, it's a very exciting uh, top of the conference.
0: Continuing on from the upper echelons of C A women's basketball, following the Blue Hens, the Aggies of N C A and T five and four overall record to match that of Delaware. Uh, this is a program that may even be more ready than than the, than its men's counterpart to compete right away in the CAA
1: yeah they uh opened their season at duke had a had a twenty point loss to uh to the blue devils but you know they they had some uh they had a solid uh second half at down there uh in north carolina you know great great to see uh the newcomer to the c a a uh be able to be able to hang with the duke blue devils and uh they're a very solid squad down there at uh north carolina A&T, nice little north carolina versus north carolina <laughs> action uh then they went on in very I I got to point this out. They played subdivision 1 team uh, St. Andrews and they took care of them 102 to 29. So they they can blow out other basketball teams. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they can match up with their fellow CAA opponents uh in their first season in the CAA and it's going to be uh very interesting to kind of see how that how their uh, schedule so far as they played uh, Miami, and they played uh, Cincinnati, which was a very close game, as well as Auburn. They've had some very good opponents, and we'll see how that can translate into their uh, matchups with other CAA squads.
0: Three double-figure scores for the Aggies of AT. Jasmine Harris at center leads the way, averaging 15.6 a game. But right there with her is Malaya Bracone at guard, 15.1 a game. Jordan Dorsey also at guard, 10.6 dot six a contact in scoring and each of those players is averaging at least three three rebounds a game and it goes up to, to eight and eight point six rebounds per game for the center Harris so she's a little bit shy of a double double a game I mean that's another one of those I think an all-conference candidate if if you can sustain that kind of play in CA action that could make you an all-conference player in your first year in new league
1: yeah it's a very very exciting team to look at and now we'll transition into uh a neighboring state for us here at Delaware, the uh, Towson Tigers, a uh, very solid program. They are 5-5 five and five as we speak today. Um, they A game that really stands out to me is that they played uh, number 15-ranked Maryland, and they uh, o- only fell by 11, and it was at Towson, which is, uh, you know, I, I know the student body showed out for that game, and it, is, it was very interesting to see how they can match up with a ranked team such as Maryland.
0: Towson, when I think of the Tigers women's basketball program, I, I instantly think back to Delaware's instant classic, really tight semifinal win over TU in last season's CA tournament. I mean, Towson was—is is is an understatement to say a sniff away? Like, they were that close by the skin of their teeth away from a CA women's basketball championship game appearance. I mean, they, and then once you get into a title game, it's, it's, it's 40 minutes away from— from the dance, and so I, I, the way I look at it is Towson is one of those teams who looks to stay in the top mix. They did have Diane Richardson depart; uh, their head coach headed to Temple for the same position, and so a, di- a, a new voice, uh, very similarly to how we were discussing Elon men's basketball in the in the post Mike Schragi era. But Towson, most recently, they played a very strong contest against American I Athletic kind of Conference foe Memphis. It was a two point defeat at Seeker Arena, seventy three to seventy one. Uh, Tigers in, of Memphis. <laughs> it should be a, the game of Tigers, but the Memphis Tigers improved to 6-5 and five overall, uh, so they were able to limit Kylie Cornegay-Lucas at 12 points, but Towson having the return of Cornegay-Lucas overall, I think that's a big deal. She is going to be a focal point. She's averaging over 16 points a game. Uh, Sky Williams is behind her in the guard spot with a 9.4 points a contest. They did lose. I, I, if my memory is correct from local news, they did lose. There was a Sanford School alum who was playing... At Towson and Ali Kuback, I believe she entered the transfer portal, and I, I, I I'm gonna have to double check in our research department here where she landed uh, over the course of this past off season. So I, they, they're gonna have to figure out the production uh, with the loss of Kubek, but I still think uh, Towson is going to be a team that's going to improve its standing in conference play.
1: I mean, they're they're just a fantastic program, you know. They and uh, like you said, uh, the semifinal matchup against Delaware, they're right there, very close to the final, very close to a ticket to the big dance, uh, and I. I expect them to be right back in that same exact position uh, uh, this uh, season once we get past conference play and into the CAA tournament. Um, you know, they're, they're right there. They got a lot of talent on that squad.
0: Allie Kubek just an update, she actually transferred over across down to College Park to Maryland. So that was a, the Allie Kubek bowl there um, between the two. But a recent story over on TestudoTimes.com, the SB Nation blog supporting, or I shouldn't say supporting, but it's covering <laughs> uh, Maryland. Uh it's a story, a feature about how uh, Kubek has been embracing her role on the bench after she's had two ACL tears. So, I mean, all best wishes to her. Is she's clearly, you know, been through it physically. But I just, I just want to clarify that because uh, oh, yeah. she's, she's local to in-state of Delaware. And uh, Towson certainly is missing her when she was healthy. She was a big part of that, uh, of that Towson team. But we are... We were gonna make sure we finish out the run through of the CA women's basketball standings as we go past the top half. It may be a bit more rapid fire as we are uh, running, burning the midnight at uh, uh, oils or what do you, what do you call it? <laughs> we, yep. we're, we're doing what we can here late night late night uh, yep. recording session at a Perkins Student Center in Newark. So we want to make sure we, they, they, we make sure we don't get locked inside and have a uh, what's that what's that movie that the uh, that in, about the museum? It's uh, oh, over, the night at the museum. At the museum. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We don't <laughs> we don't want that to happen. Right. We right right. Exactly. I mean, that's you're my as we love
1: our studio. Right. Here. Right. I, Right, I don't think not... I want to be sleeping here. Right,
0: right. We, I, didn't, I, I forgot my air mattress back, back elsewhere. Yeah. So yeah, so we're not right. as ready for my that. My
1: parking's expired. <laughs> right, right. 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 That's all right. to right. right. talk about the Stony Brook Seawolves. How, how about that? Sounds though? good. Sounds good. They're, they're right there, tied with, uh, with Towson at a five and five record. I mean, they're, they are a solid squad. Um, they took on Syracuse at the beginning of the year, uh, kind of lost by uh, slightly over twenty points. They lost uh, seventy nine to uh, fifty six. But a uh, nice little competition for the uh, Seawolves as well. And I look at uh, a win over High Point. Um, they took care of them 86-72. Uh, to 72. Uh, I think that's a nice, solid win for them, even though High Point has been struggling this season. But uh, a good uh, program overall. And uh, the Stony Brook Seawolves, I mean, what what can you say about the Stony Brook Seawolves right here? I mean, <laughs> I mean, they just got off a game against... Uh, Saint Francis Brooklyn who is 1 in 10 at the moment so uh not not looking too good for the uh, terriers up there in Brooklyn but they took care of them 75 to 59 and uh you know, they're right there with Towson. They got, they got a lot of talent on that squad.
0: I mean, you're asking what can you say about them, and I think that's what a lot of CA teams are going to be asking in their scouting <laughs> reports. What can you say? Well, one of those names to know, you know what, what can you say if Anastasia, Anastasia Warren. excuse me, Anastasia Warren averaging 15.4 points per game. She is far and away uh, in the lead in that guard spot. But Sharice Pittman as well, 12.8 points a game. And she, Pittman that is, is among the leaders in rebounding 7.7 boards a game for the Seawolves. So Stony Brook... Is it going to be a team that uses this uh, respectable start in conference play and channels that into a minimum upper half finish in the CEA? It's, that's a lot of projecting. That's a lot of the kind of questions we're asking. We're just you know, taking these initial impressions and kind of seeing how how well they'll age as we get into New Year's Eve and uh, ring it in 2023.
1: Absolutely. And now we will move on to the uh, Monmouth Hawks. So uh, a little bit better as we touched on the men's side earlier, the 1-10 and start for them. They are 5-5 and over here on the women's side. Uh, They've had some solid wins this year. You know, they played against Loyola, Maryland, which is a Patriot League opponent over there and they only lost by two. You know, that's a solid uh solid showing for the uh newcomers of the CIA. And then they had a nice win the the next game on the twenty second of November. They played the uh they played Navy, the Navy midshipmen, and they took care of them by twenty points, seventy six to fifty six. Uh Navy's not the best right now, but it's nice to see uh a newcomer to the CIA get a get a nice big old win like that. So they they are looking pretty solid as uh as we approach the uh, middle of December here. Uh they also played St. Francis Brooklyn as we were talking about uh our beloved uh Stony Brook team also played them and they took care took care of business there. They they're a solid squad over there.